This is the LexisNexis New York Legal News Podcast. Litigation news stories from recent issues of LexisNexis Mealy's publications. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. LexisNexis Podcasts, voted top legal-oriented podcast in the 2008 ABA Journal Blog 100, the annual reader survey of the best websites for lawyers as chosen by the editors of the ABA Journal. A federal bankruptcy court judge in New York approved the sale of General Motors, allowing the troubled American automaker to sell the bulk of its assets in an attempt to quickly emerge from bankruptcy. In a 95-page ruling, U.S. Bankruptcy Judge Robert Gerber of the Southern District of New York Bankruptcy Court approved the plan, holding that it was the automaker's best-case scenario. GM filed a Chapter 11 bankruptcy petition on June 1st, listing 50 creditors, more than $172 billion in debt, and slightly more than $82 billion in total assets. Meanwhile, plaintiffs in an Arizona state court product liability class action lawsuit against GM filed a notice of appeal July 9th. The Arizona plaintiffs are seeking to appeal a sale order handed down by bankruptcy judge Gerber that would allow GM to quickly emerge from bankruptcy and, among other things, not hold GM liable for personal injury claims filed before the sale. A group of shareholders of Amedia Networks filed a complaint June 24th in the Southern District of New York, alleging the company made false and misleading statements regarding its business transactions and prospects concerning its home media software and hardware. The shareholders say they relied on the media's alleged misrepresentations in purchasing stock, which became artificially inflated in value. The plaintiffs allege the company and its officers have, quote, preyed on plaintiffs and the public's awareness of burgeoning home media triple-play market opportunities and on false information supplied to plaintiffs regarding the prospects and viability of a media's business. <clears throat> A commercial general liability insurance company A commercial general liability insurer has no duty to defend a policyholder in underlying lawsuits claiming that the insured's negligence contributed to damages sustained by homeowners whose homes were not constructed at the proper elevation. The Third Department Supreme Court Appellate Division on July 2nd held the claims arise out of faulty workmanship for which no coverage is provided under the policy. Excavation contractor J. Lucarelli and Sons filed suit against Mountain Valley Indemnity Company in Saratoga County Supreme Court, seeking a ruling that Mountain Valley is obligated to defend or indemnify Lucarelli in two underlying lawsuits. Lucarelli was named as a third and fourth party defendant in the two suits filed by homeowners against home builder Camelot Associates. The homeowners alleged Camelot breached the housing merchant warranty by constructing their homes at an insufficient elevation in relation to the seasonal high groundwater elevation. This allegedly resulted in wet basements, mold, and other damage related to dampness. Camelot filed third-party actions against Lucarelli and others for contribution and indemnification. The trial court held the event for which Lucarelli seeks coverage was an occurrence within the meaning of the policy, but that no coverage exists because the homeowner's claims fell within the policy's work product exclusion. The appeals panel affirmed, determining that the underlying claims seek damages because of Lucarelli's faulty workmanship, which is clearly excluded by the policy. An Italian restaurant in Gloversville, New York, has sued a produce provider in federal court, claiming it was sold lettuce with a dead mouse in it and later lost business as a result of serving the tainted food to one of its customers. 
Plaza's Italian Bistro sued Taylor Fresh Foods in the Northern District of New York. In March 2007, Plaza's had vacuum-sealed polyurethane bags of lettuce delivered to its location. Kitchen workers opened the Taylor Fresh Foods lettuce bags and placed them in a preparation tray, not knowing the dead mouse was mixed in with the produce. After a customer found the mouse in her meal, word of the incident spread throughout the community, resulting in a loss of business and income for the restaurant. Plaza's Italian Bistro brings claims of negligence, breach of express warranty, breach of implied warranty, and products liability, as well as violation of sale of agriculture and markets law against the defendant. A female employee of Merrill Lynch & Company filed a class action lawsuit in New York Federal Court June 25th, accusing the company of discriminating against females in the workplace. Jamie Goodman, who has worked at Merrill Lynch as a financial advisor since 1992, alleges she was discriminated against because of her sex, and that Merrill Lynch has company-wide employment and compensation policies that deny female financial advisors the same income-generating opportunities as men. In the mid-1990s, Merrill Lynch began using partnerships in the workplace, which Goodman alleges manipulate the account distribution policy and exclude female brokers. Goodman further claims she lost business opportunities because of these partnerships. She says both times she was in one of these partnerships, her partners left to work at a competing company. According to Goodman, she should have received the clients their partnership had been working with, but instead, management distributed the clients throughout the office. She claims she complained to management several times to no avail and maintains that she contacted Merrill Lynch's Office of Diversity, which confirmed that she should have received the partnership's clients after her partner left Merrill Lynch. Goodman seeks to represent all those female employees at Merrill Lynch who have also been discriminated against due to their sex. She's requesting the value of all compensation and benefits lost and that will be lost in the future, along with punitive damages, compensatory and other damages, attorney fees, costs and disbursements, and injunctive relief to remedy the discrimination. A coalition of companies that own copyrights in movies and television programs lost their bid to challenge the legality of a cable television company's remote storage DVR. In denying review, the U.S. Supreme Court allowed a ruling by a panel of the Second Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals to stand. In August, the panel found that Cablevision Systems Corporation's RSDVR did not infringe the film and television company's copyrights because even though the central DVR service allowed customers to make copies of the programs for later download to their televisions, the buffered versions were not copies within the meaning of the Copyright Act. The panel's decision reversed a ruling in which Southern District of New York Judge Denny Chin had ruled in favor of the plaintiff copyright owners, finding that Cablevision was guilty of copying copyrighted programming. Judge Chin had enjoined use of Cablevision's RSDVR service, finding that because the customer requested copies of the programs were made on Cablevision's central system, they were unauthorized copies of the content in violation of the plaintiff's rights to reproduce their works. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mark Rogers. The Second Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals has held the sale of trademarked products with UPC or altered unique production codes is likely trademark infringement because the codes allow a trademark owner to identify counterfeit goods and to control the quality of its legitimate products. In affirming a preliminary injunction barring defendant CVS Corporation from selling plaintiff Zeno Davidoff's trademarked cool water fragrance, the appeals panel agreed that the removal of Davidoff's codes interfered with Davidoff's trademark rights, regardless of whether the goods are gray market. 
The court said, quote, where the alleged infringer has interfered with the trademark holder's ability to control quality. The trademark holder's claim is not defeated because of failure to show that the goods sold were defective. That's because the interference with the trademark holder's legitimate steps to control quality unreasonably subjects the trademark holder to the risk of injury to the reputation of its mark. A Swedish author will be unable to distribute his book in the United States detailing the exploits of an aged Holden Caulfield, lead character in J.D. Salinger's The Catcher in the Rye, that as a result of a temporary restraining order issued in June. In a ruling from the bench, Southern District of New York Judge Deborah Batts indicated that she was likely to side with arguments by Salinger that the character is entitled to copyright protection, separate from the protection afforded to Catcher in the Rye as a whole. The judge said, however, she would take time to consider the position of defendant Frederick Colting, that his use of the character is fair. Colting authored the new book 60 years later, Coming Through the Rye, under the pseudonym J.D. California. The MDL judge in the MDBE products liability litigation ruled in June that the city of New York is permitted to argue that punitive damages are available in litigation over the contamination of drinking water by MDBE if it relies on the commingled product theory to establish liability. MTBE industry defendants moved to prevent the city from asserting punitive damages for which liability is established under the commingled product theory, in addition to claims against the owners of gasoline stations that allegedly leaked the gasoline additive MTBE into the groundwater. The city brings strict liability claims against the refiners and distributors of MTBE-containing gasoline. The city alleges that refiners mix their products together for transportation and distribution, in such a way that the gasoline sold at any given retail station contains the product of multiple refiners. According to the city, the mixed gasoline forms a commingled joint product, and the individual molecules of MTBE are not distinguishable by refiner or distributor. The city says it does not contest that punitive damages would be inappropriate under the market share theory because it is no longer seeking damages based on the theory of market share liability. If you'd like more information on these and other New York cases, visit www.lexisnexis.com slash mealies, M-E-A-L-E-Y-S. LexisNexis Legal News New York is written by the editors of Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis New York Legal News Podcast, copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. This is Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.